you know what? It's interesting because it, it, the, the, it's an uncommon view. I'd say, I'd say a wholly view, uncommon view, but it wasn't an unstated view in some of the conversations I've had. Um, so it's not as clear cut as, as, as maybe I presumed. Um, but um, but yeah, we'll, we'll surface that up at some point during this conversation because obviously this is like wandering into territory that clearly I don't know anything about. So uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll figure this out as we go. Yeah, excellent stuff. Um, okay, well, live everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Um, and we are on the home stretch, folks. Um, so I think we have, have what four more sessions after this until the end of the year. So we're, we're gonna we've just been tremendously uh, pounding this out. I think we, we would have done fifty by the end of this year. Um, which means almost every week that we've done this, um, uh, which is just fantastic. So thank you everyone for joining, uh, supporting the channel, watching it and commenting, engaging and all the rest of it. It's just been fabulous. Um, and people ask me all the time, oh, where do you get the energy? Adam, I'm sure you get the same stuff. But the reality is these are really good conversations. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not something that's tiring to do. Um, you know, there's lots of other busy stuff that I'm tired about. But having chats with the community is not tiresome. It's actually a really great highlight of my week. So thank you everyone for that. Um, folks, just wanted to do a quick sound check as usual. Want to make sure everyone is um, uh, on Crowdcast can hear me okay. I've repositioned my mic a little bit as well as the camera just to get a bit of distance and maybe better audio. Um, so let me know whether you can hear me fine okay. Thing is, Mike, everyone says they can hear me fine, but then I do the replay on the podcast. It sounds terrible. So is it actually, does it sound dulcet? Um, are, are the tones kind of making? Is it chocolatey in your ear? Is what I want to want you to know. Um, anyway, uh, we should also be live streaming this in uh, uh, multiple places. Thanks to everyone for restreaming it. So we are live streaming on LinkedIn. If you can see me on LinkedIn, let me know on the comments. Um, I think Adam Gordon, you are also live streaming this on your LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Um, I do believe there's a few other people. Sally, I think you're doing so also, which is fantastic. Um, okay, we seem to be going well, which is great. Um, uh, folks, we have to thank our sponsors before we continue uh, the show. As ever, we always have to do this. Um, so today, uh, we are delighted to introduce a debut sponsor um, for Brain Food Live on Air. Um, and we're very pleased um, to uh, to talk about this um, simply because you, yeah I'm sure you're going to hear a lot about it in 2024 anyway it is poetry HR folks <laughs> and it's Adam Gordon's new business uh, so Adam uh, you might as well tell us a bit about it what is poetry HR who needs to care about it uh, why is it any good uh, yeah so thank you for that uh, thank you for the introduction um, the company's the the product's actually called poetry rather than poetry HR but anyway um, it's a recruiter workspace. It's designed to do two things. It's designed to make recruit, recruiters better marketers by giving them solutions for um, managing and creating social media posts, job adverts, email copy, landing page copy, things like that. If you need assistance with it, then it's uh, rammed with generative AI and a pre-built prompt engine, which means you just fill in a couple of fields in a form and it gives you back precisely what you're looking for or nearly precisely what you're looking for and then the second thing it's aiming to do is um, eliminate or considerably reduce the concept of toggle tax which is the time we all spend going from app to app trying to get our tasks accomplished trying to remember what is that sourcing tool that interrogates tiktok profiles called again uh, they're all in the one workspace so really easy to find it all uh, aiming to reduce the burden of administration on 
uh, creating uh, marketing copy and finding stuff by 31, 31 minutes per day. And it is uh, free for your first admin account at poetryhr.com. Um, and people can sign up and use it now. Is that right? It's like, yep. Okay. Why don't you share the link in the chat stream there, folks? Get onto it if you want to improve the productivity of your team. Um, and by the way, Adam, we need to sneak Brain Food sort of uh, uh, sort of default subscription into into one of the permanent tabs on poetry. Um, but no, I really like the idea of enablement and efficiency. I totally get the idea of flicking through tabs. I'm looking at 20 tabs as we speak, as we go, and I don't even do recruitment, so I'm sure everyone feels the same way. Uh, okay, so great. Thank you so much for supporting Adam. Um, and in fact. Um, uh, 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 we can expect to see uh, some more sponsored stuff from you guys uh, sort of throughout the year, which is great. Um, okay, let's get on with the show. Let's do a review of the newsletter from last week, Adam. Did you read it? And if so, what was interesting, man? I did read it. And the first, um, the first thing I wanted to point out was if ever you've let slip that it's actually um, an AI that's writing it, then it was the way that you were actually quite effusive about me and my qualities at the beginning of the uh, news <laughs> newsletter, because I know that that would not have come out of your um, fingertips. So absolutely um, not. That was that was copy and pasta from someone else. That I would never say such things. But uh, but yes, indeed. <laughs> but on the subject of generative AI, um, I was really interested to see that you asked um, subscribers. Uh, how, how what what source of information would be best for creating a recruiting brain food custom gpt and um 31 second highest was actually recruiting brain food live uh, the transcripts from so um yep. i was very pleased with that considering i know absolutely nothing but the guests are absolutely superb this is probably the best show about recruiting related things and and the quality of the guest is superb so i wasn't surprised to hear that but um of course the larder um and the contents of the larder was was where this is going to come from so i'd love to find out if, if this is something you're actually doing when you're doing it how you're doing this both those things are going to happen. So the Brain Food Larder, by the way, folks, if you didn't know, is essentially a searchable archive of all of the articles ever published on the Recruiting Brain Food newsletter, which is up to 373, I think, come on Sunday. Uh, so we're talking about thousands of articles that have been categorized, uh, uh, searchable and all the rest of it. I've taken that down because basically the search has really been broken as it's scaled. It hasn't really caught with it. Uh, but ob the obvious solution is to put a GPT in it. So that's what we're doing. Um, and we're going to basically make every file searchable, every comment that I've made searchable, all the tags searchable. And then hopefully we'll get to a point where you can interrogate that and say, um, can you show me all the reports that you know, intersect D and I with uh, uh, AI or something like that. And it will aggregate all of those things and just immediately bring those resources to your attention. So hopefully it will be another really useful tool uh, that people can use. Um, and as for the transcripts on Brain Food Lab, I do intend to do that. But one of the things that stopped me from doing it particularly is the fact that you and I are on screen. Um, and I want to I want to basically pass this out of it. If that makes any sense um because as you say i think you're right the guests are the ones that actually provide the value um so i'm going to try and transcribe everything get us out of it maybe we can create our own little thing that's just tongue and adam speak crap or whatever that's all great um but then the distillation of the value is from the guests and i think that would be you know a really good thing if we did five lessons learned from 
Um, I think that could be a nice little thing to try and maybe a new channel on. Could be another newsletter, could be, could be, it could be a TikTok, could be something. Um, where I was actually thinking of doing sketch notes on it. You know how uh, sketch artists can actually draw out um the argument and start placing various things. So I wonder whether that would be useful for folks. A sketch note artist distillation of Brain Food Live summaries. Every week you might get a sketch note to describe, oh, on this topic, here's the, the key discussion points. Let me know in the comments if you think that's going to be interesting for you to do. It's probably going to cost me money to do, uh, but happy to spend it because I think it's going to be worth it. There's a lot of information locked into these shows that needs to be extracted and uh, and shared with other people. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what you're saying anyway in the community. So thanks for voting on that. Um, cool. Okay. What else, mate? On, on the subject of custom GPTs, um, I really uh, enjoyed reading David Galley's um, blog, I guess it was, about um, how he's going about building batch match GPT. Um, so he, he's just put in there exactly how he's gone about doing it, which is really useful. Um, he's also said, you know, what he now needs to do to refine it. Um, he's got to do a bit of debugging, a bit more detailed rule setting, things like that. He also highlights some of the stubbornness within um, OpenAI and some of the, the inconsistency in what it returns. Um, I understand the subject intimately at this point, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting blog, so uh, well worth taking a look and keep an eye on Batchmatch GPT for when it's like industrialized. Yeah, I mean, basically, David is obviously one of the leading sources in in the industry. He trains people for a living on it, and he's he's deeply technical as well. Um, and and this is worth looking at because it gives you an idea of what GPTs can do. Um, and essentially, it's uh, he's been able to uh, use it as an assessment tool, a mass assessment tool, um, so that you can extract a lot of candidate data from whatever system you're using. Um, pipe it into his sort of custom GPT and then put your job description against that and the GPT will basically do a match on it, um, uh, which you would not do as a human being. You'd look at these things and try and make the match, but this thing will actually forensically go through every line and then it will come out also with the strengths and weaknesses analysis on on that point as well. So you can imagine how uh, how, how uh, significant that is be, will be on the recruiting side. Um, it's almost taking away a huge chunk of that CV resume review sort of process you could do it automatically with a tool like this. So definitely check it out. I don't think he's released it publicly because he's still fiddling around with it. And I, do, I, I wonder whether he might actually, you know, stick it behind a paywall at some point. It sounds like something that, you know, you to charge for. Um, but, uh, but yeah, an, ex an example also on what can be achieved um, uh, with your own custom GPTs. Um, yeah, okay. cool. Um, Just Staying with, I'm sorry if you're bored of generative AI, but just staying with it for a second. Um, Hootsuite's annual social media report um, uh, has a section about how um, generative AI is likely to grow and um, in 2024. And remaining at the top of the list is going to be uh, refining text. That, was, that has been until now the, the most common use. But I think it's also very worthwhile looking at what is the highest growing use? What's the highest percentage uplift? Um, and that's in chatbot functionality, building out chatbots, um, as well as editing images, uh, which came second. So looking at the trends, um, I would say even, even just looking at the, even just looking at the, the stats which are in the newsletter uh, before you even click through to the article, it's well worth uh, looking at that. 
Yeah, uh, and it's interesting that marketing of all of the functions that um, are using or in business that are using uh, generative AI, marketing are the ones that are most enthusiastic about the usage um, because it's the most one of the most obvious applications is of course media production, um, and it means that a marketer can you know times ten their productivity if they get into it. Um, but the reality is this this door is going to be kicked wide open. I think uh, Microsoft released Copilot, I think, earlier this week, so or two days ago. That's like, you know, a billion people that are suddenly AI enabled. Um, so if you're using Excel, Outlook, Teams, whatever, you have got an AI talking to you. Um, that's going to just be a massive change in terms of how all of us do our work. So it's going to be really interesting. The Hootsuite social trends is essential, I think, for anybody doing marketing, content creation, employer branding. Um, uh, go ahead and check it out. Um, okay, I think that's about it, unless you've got one more thing you want to talk about or yeah, just, dive straight into this topic. Yeah, no, just one more. Uh, let's switch to sociology for a second. I want to talk about retirement age. Um, I thought that mm -hmm. was really interesting. I like the way that you always include something which is not necessarily um, recruitment focused, but it is about humans. And of course, it links in with what we do in, in recruiting. Um, I, I really enjoyed looking at the um, variance in the retirement age in different countries. And I noted that um, if you and I were in Saudi Arabia, I think you would already be able to retire with full benefits and I'll be able to do it in January. Um, uh, uh, age, 47. Or something? age 47. <laughs> um, wow. However, However, I did notice also that the, the average age of, of exit from the workforce in Saudi Arabia is 59. Um, I, also, I also noticed that the, the, the highest um, age, the, the oldest that people can officially retire is in Israel, Iceland, and another Scandi country, I think it might have been Norway, which was 67, with so countries like the UK and the USA just one year behind. Yeah. Yeah, we work hard here um, and, and it's a long, long period of time, especially as it's getting kicked further down into the into the distance, isn't it? Um, so anybody watching this, I'm sure, you know, some of us will be thinking about retirement, um, but the, we're starting to get the message to say, oh, you don't need to retire uh, or it will never happen and all this type of stuff. So I thought it would be useful to share where is the starting point, because countries, if, if they do inch up the retirement age, the, where, where it is now, obviously, is going to be a big component of where it's going to end up to be. So I think Visual Capitalist did a very good job of that. Um, just outlining what it is, and there's, there is huge variance. Certain countries retire, seemingly retire really early, um, and other ones just keep hanging on. And there's also gender variance as well. Some of them are, are balanced. They have male and female exactly the same age. Other ones, I think, generally speaking, men two, two years more um, before retirement across the piece. So, so again, there's like, you know, why is that? Um, so, so there's arguments. Yeah, it's, it's one of these really difficult topics we have to talk about. Um, and, uh, it, you know, the ideal case is, I guess we, we should be retiring earlier, but then you need to think about, okay, what, what's the dependency ratio in society? You need kind of a, a society where 50% of the people are supporting 50% of the people. So, um, you've got to do something, um, and governments are making those decisions. So, uh, check that out worth having a review. Okay. Let's dive into this topic. Cause we've got loads of guests to bring on onto this. Um, uh, uh, do, does your company have a menopause plan? Thank you, firstly, for Kelly Miller. Kelly's going to join us um, uh, in a bit, but she's the one that really started this conversation. She actually approached me out of the blue um, in Islington outside of the uh, uh, IHR conference. We had a really good chat. 
Um, and we ended up talking about some of the work that Kelly was doing, and it was it was about men menopause awareness and, and what have you. And it just occurred to me that, you know, firstly, we haven't covered this on brain food at all. Um, and it seems not to be a particularly visible topic. Um, and it's kind of strange because, you know, it's obviously a significant, potentially significant life moment for a big percentage of the working population, including what could be a big percentage of the working population that you're managing or your colleagues with or whatever. Um, and uh, having had further conversations with a couple of the friends that are gonna, we're going to bring on shortly, it became clear to me that not only uh, were women generally not uh, a sort of uh, supported with information at a society level. Lots of the people you know, have to look for the information themselves. But from a company perspective, there seems to be like almost a complete lack of support. Um, and it's like, okay, that's kind of unusual uh, uh, situation. Let's elevate the chat. Let's learn about it. Um, and, and let's bring it on from there. So that's why we're here. So thanks everyone for watching. Let's bring on our first tranche guest. There's loads of people on. I think there's 10 people we're to try and bring on. So it's going to be like ice hockey type, type, type swap, swap in, swap out. Um, but let's bring some of our guests on now and we'll see where we're at. And by the way, before we do that, Adam, from your perspective, any of the companies you work for, has this ever been dialogue internally at all? Like at, at menopause, have we discussed this as a thing or... Uh, no, I, 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 no, it hasn't. I know not very much about it. However, I'm really supportive of any, anything where we need accommodations in uh, like the context of recruiting. And we need to discuss them. And people in talent acquisition need to understand them. So it's an it's a, it's a important subject. It affects a lot of people. And uh, it's one that we're all better knowing more about. Yep, I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, I, I know the basics. I mean, I think we basically GCSE levels is biology, right? And obviously, I've got relatives that have gone through this, although even that's taboo in in in, in sort of family. Um, but you you kind of you, the internet's available, so you can educate yourself. Um, uh, but uh, oh, good good Lord, Claire, you got to sort that out. Um, okay, let's do some intros firstly. Uh, Angela, good to see you. Can you quickly intro yourself? Who are you? What is you do? Angela Cripps, MD of the Recruiting Gym, trainer and coach for the recruitment industry worldwide. Been in recruitment for 34 years. Okay, great to see you, Angela. Thanks for live streaming this as well. Um, and let me just share the link to your uh, LinkedIn there. Cool. Uh, Claire, I've muted you temporarily, but I think you might be okay. Let's bring you back. Um, what am I doing? You've got to unmute yourself. Oh, God damn it. I'll do it here. I've done it. Don't worry. No, I haven't. Hello? Can you Can control you... this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it. Okay, Claire, um, quickly introduce yourself. Who are you? What did you do? I am a fractional CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. I've been around recruitment for quite a number of years. And I am in my perimenopausal state right now. <laughs> Very interesting. And actually, you're, you're, you're another one of those that's actually, we've had that conversation, um, uh, perhaps not in depth, but yeah, you, you're very early to talk about this, uh, uh, at least when I was sort of present. Um, so uh, thanks for joining me, uh, us on this conversation as well. We, we have Kelly as well. Kelly, wonderful to see you. Uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? What did you do? I think Kelly, you might be possibly muted there. There we go. Can we hear me? No. 
Good. No? Yeah, we, we can uh, hear you. Can Go you ahead. Hear? Sure. Can you hear? Can you okay. Me? So, hello, Hung. Uh, hello, Adam. Thanks very much. Yes? Can you hear me? Yes. Is this bad? No, it's good. Good. Well, I, I'm Kelly, and I am the recruitment manager with Space and Time, and really glad to be here. Great. And thanks for joining us, Kelly. I'm going to grab your LinkedIn and share. Um, share. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not. I mean, I'm free. This because my internet is a bag of crap. Um, and I've called BTL, but they're not arriving till they said, yeah, we'll come around like Friday afternoon. So listen, I'm live streaming. So we'll have to go with what we've got. Um, uh, so they're coming on uh, uh, Wednesday. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, all right. Um, uh, by the way, um, Jen, uh, and Lou, and all uh, everyone else who, by the way, is in that list, we're going to bring you on shortly. I just want to make sure we can't bring like loads of people on, otherwise, no one's going to be able to speak. So bear with us. We're going to rotate people in and out. Um, okay, let's talk about this. Um, um, I think we've all I've had independent conversation with all of you here, um, but people who are listening have not had this. Um, so I hope you don't mind me just giving you everyone a top level. Um, everyone on screen we've just brought on, you, you, you kind of had going through uh, perimenopause or gone through it or gone through menopause. Um, and that, that experience has caused you to reflect generally on where employers are at when it comes to providing support to people who've gone through it. Um, so I wonder whether we go go with uh, you first on, on this, Kelly. Um, when sort of uh, menopause started happening, um, can you give us a bit of context, what were you doing and uh, who you're working for uh, and what sort of things were available to you and uh, um, when you uh, uh, when you kind of noticed some of these changes? Well, Hung, what I can say is menopause is one of these strange things that kind of sneaks up on you. You know, you don't even realize it's happened until it's <laughs> there. So uh, I think one of the first, uh, one of the first strangest, when I noticed something that, that happened to me, I went, well, that's weird. And, and the first thing that I noticed was the day that I developed a vertigo, I was actually um, on a, <clears throat> uh, I was in Brighton. I was climbing up uh, a very tall uh, number of stairs to, to get up to, to the tram that, that takes you around the beach. And all of a sudden, you know, I froze in absolute fear. And uh, that wasn't like me. Uh, and I've always been a very confident recruiter, uh, 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 an eager headhunter, you know, very persuasive, standing up on stage, doing presentations. And one day at work, I was even suddenly too scared to be around people. I started even hiding in meeting rooms. Uh, which definitely wasn't like me at all. I just started to uh, also become quite sensitive to sounds, like, you know, instant messaging, the ping, ping, ping. They started to make me flinch, and I was getting migraines and developed anxiety and depression, and that's when I knew something was not right. Wow, a really interesting. Let's let's talk about some of this, um, particularly vertigo. Uh, when you mentioned this, both uh, vigorous nodding mm -hmm. from Angela and Claire. So, uh, like, is this what is this like? Is, is there an explanation as to why suddenly vertigo is a phenomena? Is is it a commonly known phenomenon of menopause? Or it, it wasn't. Uh, it's it's now been added to the list. So I. I started finding out about menopause when I was going through it sort of two years ago 
and there were 34 symptoms at that point. There's now 74 and vertigo has been added to that. I've had it for the last just over two years. So for me, it's not about the, the freezing, sort of that typical vertigo when you're at heights. For me, it's if I turn over. So if I could lay down right now and I turned from my left to the right, right to left is fine. Left to right, you would see my eyes doing this and literally the things are whizzing around the room. So I get dizzy. I fall over sideways. People will see me and think I'm drunk. And it's literally if I've looked up, looked down or turned, it's the crystals in your ear that move to the wrong place. And therefore, your brain is feeling something from, from that and getting signals from that. But your eyes are seeing something different. So think of um, if you've been on a boat and really suffered from seasickness, similar to that, where you are, and you literally, you'll walk and you'll go sideways and you'll hit a wall because you think you're going forwards. Your brain tells you you're going right. And yeah, not great. Yeah. So, so and Claire, obviously, you and I shared a stage, right? And there was this, just to give everyone a bit of context, as well, these classic, or oh, let's do a panel uh, sort of conversation on stage. Of course, the panel were like ridiculously tall stools, which you know anybody would struggle to to, to hover on. Um, uh, and uh, and sort me and Claire were then. Uh, Claire just flatly refused to get on the stool that was closest to the edge, and it was like, fair enough. Was, I, I get it, but it was almost like you knew that that was actually quite dangerous, given the fact that you know, you now know of yourself that actually you've got this sense, your balance is, your confidence isn't there uh, with, with the balance and stuff. So um, how crazy is this? So uh, I guess from a biological point of view, what we can understand is there are obviously biological changes which just change the, the, the something in your ear or, or whatever your sense of your balance is and then of course that's going to change all kinds of your relationship with the environment uh, and how comfortable you might be uh, in different places um but, does, uh, yeah i was going to just add to that as well i mean kelly and and angela are probably in the, the ladies that are going to come on later the symptoms do creep up on you you really don't know that you've got got it all going on until you can kind of sit and figure it out but mine was like itchy skin I mean there's uh -huh. really well-known sort of sweats and tight like you know waking up in the night and having really bad sleep patterns um constantly being disturbed by your own breathing almost but the itchy skin was something else it was like yeah sleeping with ants like it just it never stopped and it wasn't even something that you could even just stop thinking about it would just always be there um, I have um, body cream next to the bed now and I just don't even think about it as soon as it starts it's like just slather it on don't care where it goes <laughs> it's been in the bed with you at night because you literally scratch yourself to bleeding it's it yeah I went to my doctor and and I said hey you know I've got these itchy welts help me and he said to me they're so tiny, they're microscopic, I can't see anything. And I left feeling like a fool, goodness. No, and I think that's probably the thing as well. If you've got, I mean, I was really lucky. I, I spent sort of five minutes on the phone with a doctor, um, a female elder doctor who'd basically been studying menopause symptoms for quite a while. Mm. She instantly, she put me at ease and she just sort of said, look, you're presenting on at least 20 of the symptoms that we know of just come in we'll talk to you about medication and we'll also talk about alternative solutions as well so I think that's the biggest thing is that actually it's one thing recognizing where you're at 
the next stage is obviously then trying to figure out how you can support yourself through this journey because it it doesn't actually stop um and i and i know there's quite a a real range as well so maybe that's something that we can talk about today my understanding is about 10 years so from menopause you've still got sort of 10 years of all of these symptoms i can see breeder in the chat breeders are a, um, a real expert on this with all the, the knowledge and the details this is our experiences um from here but a lot of people will say to me well how do you know that symptoms down to that and mine happened during lockdown so the anxiety and the noise thing that, that yeah. i have to if you see me walk out of a big room of people i just need a break i just can't take it anymore it's just like it just builds and builds and builds and gets so much um that i need to pop outside but a lot of the time the actual medicine for me is this little patch lasts three days three and a half days yep. but as soon as i forget to put one on i get eczema here here usually just on my eyelids it's now migrated in the last couple of months to here and on this bit of nose as well and literally as soon as it's on it's it goes again and you just think wow <laughs> it's just ridiculous some of these these details all right you've got a couple of things um, both of you, uh, all of you, I think I've mentioned, there's a list of uh, symptoms. Uh, can we share that list? Is that is that is that publicly available? Yeah, I'm just going to put the link in the chat. Um, Lauren Sheeran, she wasn't available today, um, has done loads of work for us over the last three years, um, especially when it's been around World, World Menopause Day. So we've created a free course for everyone that's got all of the information in there, as well as sort of what's going on in government and what's happening and she updates that she does a three-day course for free i think it's only like half hour each day for people so i'll get those links in there as well so people can get this information it is out there you just got to find it all right so folks this is actually quite significant it's a free training course um i'm going to go on it um so i think everyone needs to links in the chat stream go ahead and, and sign up to this at the same time people can someone do me a favor and just share that link into linkedin as well um i think more people who see this and are aware of it better it is right so a lot of this is just ignorance i'm ignorant of this and you know i feel a little bit ashamed to, to, I think this is, is um you know and i certainly i had no clue into to kelly's point i was sitting on zoom calls and through lockdown similar to, to angela I'd get off Zoom calls and I'd just sit there and I'd cry for half an hour and I have no idea why. And my entire personality did a U-turn and I couldn't recognize myself. Sort of six months in, I'm thinking, this anxiety and depression isn't me. What's going on? And it wasn't until someone said, oh, you know, how old are you? Have you thought it could be perimenopause? So yeah, it's it's really, it's such a blindsiding event. I think both obviously for women, but then also for men too. I kind of feel like it should also be maybe on the curriculum. So we talk about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hormones and kids, and then we also need to talk about what happens later on in life. So we've got that kind of essential knowledge before it comes up and, and slaps us. Claire, was your school like mine that the boys and the girls were separated off? <laughs> the girls went off to talk about periods. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we had probably two lessons, maybe three lessons over a period of time. For the majority of them, it was way too late. For me, yeah. it wasn't, but it was like, and again, had no idea. And if we don't talk about it, it's part of life. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. So why don't we just have the conversations, oh. give us the information, let us know what we're facing so that when these things happen, we don't think we're going nuts or that we've got 
early onset dementia because these are things that happen and it's no surprise the average age is 51 and I was 51 and a month when I hit menopause and the average age for suicide in the UK a couple of years ago was 51 for women um, it might have come down a little bit because of the lockdown unfortunately the numbers hit hard didn't they during that time but it's a it's the same period of time and it really doesn't surprise me yeah all right so, so there's there's a consistent theme here information's out there but it seems that you have to go and find it um and you know you have to be hyper motivated to do that and typically that's because you're experiencing the symptoms yourself um whereas what we've got to do as recruiters hr people 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 um we can at the very least sort of make that a available internally within organizations, let's say, uh, and say, look, here, here, if you want to learn about this, here's what you need to know. Anybody who's a manager, I think it's oblig it should be a mandatory to know about this. Um, because if you're managing people, guess what? Some of those people might be going through perimenopause or menopause at some point in your career. You need to know about this. Uh, otherwise, how are you ex expected to be an effective and support manager if you're ignorant of it? Um, so number one, I think that's one thing immediately we as uh, recruitment and people people could do is to think just in, in the framework of, their own, of your own business, find, find a way where this resource sits prominently uh, and is accessible to everyone in, in the organization, but especially at the hiring manager level or anybody who aspires to management because they are the ones that need to be providing that support. Um, Angela, I hope you don't mind me sharing some information here because you and I talked also about contraception, didn't we? Um, and we talked about how one of the reasons why women may not be aware of this is in fact possibly because they're taking various different types of forms of contraception, which can influence um, whether you experience symptoms or, or whether or whatever happens. So I wonder whether you could tell us a little bit more about sort of what the detail is uh, on yeah, that. Yeah, it'd and, be interesting to know, actually, how, how many women that are going to be talking about it have the Mirena coil, because for me it was just the, the easiest contraception that there was. Um, I was due to have it out this week, actually. It lasts for five years. I found out that it was actually finished in January, which does that's five years up so that's got progesterone in it so you've got the estrogen and the progesterone thing so no wonder I've been suffering this year without <laughs> realizing uh, that that's there but of course with that you very rarely get periods and therefore you you don't know it's like well have I finished have I not I I finished my periods two years ago I've started again this year a little bit so I've now got to go and see a gynecologist because it's like well that's not normal but then there's so many factors to everything you just don't know what stage you're in and you certainly don't appreciate just as the other ladies have said that this could be perimenopause when you might only be late 30s early 40s you're thinking well surely that's not me I'm not old I just want to throw something in that you know one of the things that I've also learned is what actually causes perimenopause menopause is actually as women lead towards infertility as our eggs totally decline, so do our hormone levels. Mm -hmm. And this is actually what, what causes us to go off the rails. Um, it's, it's like um, I described it as like a, having a bad Wi-Fi connection between the brain and the ovaries. Mm -hmm. And this is when symptoms start to happen. And as more and more of your hormone levels start to decline, that's when things can get a whole lot worse. So one of the things that, I, you know, in terms of my own employer, I think, and, and anyone in general, I think people don't realize when they're changing, when things are going on, 
And I think if you know people, if you pay attention to your colleagues around you, you can see, hey, that's not like her. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Let's have a conversation. And it starts to open up that awareness. Yeah, I've just, I've just noted in the chat, Marissa saying about her hormones reducing, but she thinks her teen's got hers. <laughs> Isn't it? It's kind of like, it's an obvious thing. And the Adam just mentioned as well, growing up, you know, there was that moment in time, certainly was for me, where it went from everything was okay to everything never being okay again with my mum. And it was like, we we were house full of, there was three teenagers all at the same time as mum hitting her menopause state. And then there was a baby in the house almost as well, sort of a toddler. So the whole thing just kind of collided and it was like DEFCON 3 all the time. So that was my impression of what later life looked like as a, a mum. But then you just forget about that because actually you have your own experiences and you kind of put it to one side. But yeah, to, to your point, Kelly, uh, Kelly, as well, the hormone stuff, that's where I started to get a lot more clarity around the physiology and the DNA changes and also that kind of control over my emotional state. Because for me, I've always been quite practical, quite pragmatic, quite kind of glass is always half full. I'm now able to say that I'm kind of back to that stage, but my glass got empty real quick, really, and wouldn't fill up ever. Um, and I can see that by managing my hormones and thinking about my diet, my exercise regime, all of that has helped me to piece back together. You know, I'm a different version. I'm always going to be a different version of myself, but mm -hmm. I've now got a very good understanding of what I need to put into my body and where I need to be in, in my head in order to have a good quality of life. And I think as well, that conversation with colleagues is an absolute example of that. I've got a really great close network of work friends, girlfriends who are in this boat with me They'll have different symptoms. They'll have different experiences. But we all talk about it. We all talk about our crazy moments and our, you know, kind of eureka moments at the same time. So I think they're really, they're really great pieces of advice. But also, all right, Angela, can, can, can you deal with this question in the chat? Because I think that's relevant to this. Um, maybe just uh, someone's. I think May G said, "How do you actually register on this?" So I think quite important. We. Uh, we, oh, okay. Yeah. So if, you click, if you click on that, it's free of charge. You just need your name and email address to put into there, and it will give you a free account. And then, what normally happens when people sign up for a free account, we've got six free courses, uh, pro bono courses we give to everyone. So the likelihood is you'll get some other ones as well related to recruitment. It's up to you whether you want to look at them or not. All right. So you've got to set up a, a, an account on Recruiting Gym to recruiting get gym. access to this. Right? It's in there. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all free. It's just your email, giving us your details. Okay. So That's maybe you give that a go, and then can let us know sort of whether that whether that on on board works uh, and it's fine. Uh, quickly on HRT, uh, everyone. Um, so generally speaking, is that the default sort of solution that doctors typically say, okay, just take this, I'll put the patch on, etc. Um, shaking the head, okay. Tell tell us what sort of medically, uh, you know, what uh, not not even medically, but what is the uh, what are, what are the prescriptions that the doctors typically prefer? provide for people who are suffering these types of symptoms oh, i'm sure everyone will 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 pipe in in a moment hrt is actually 
one of the most recommended. It, it should be recommended. And unfortunately, as, as everyone else will say, HRT is actually not really discussed very widely with doctors. Women are actually struggling to be prescribed it. Um, and this is also what causes a lot of issues um, with women running around with symptoms, not knowing what's happening. Um, they're also being prescribed antidepressants in error. And I'll, I'll let the girls also share. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kelly. Um, initially, one doctor said to me, oh, it's because of your depression. And I was like, no, I'm, I work at this level of stress all the time. It's never happened like this. Um, I'd like a second opinion. And then they got a bit antsy. And then it wasn't until I, I, I spoke to my second doctor um, who was like, yeah, they're talking BS. Come and talk about it. But because cancer is in my family, I've not had cancer, but my mom's had cancer. There's a real risk between um, particularly those that have suffered breast cancer and have or may carry the breast cancer gene. Um, and that that can be HRT, hormone replacement therapy, the, the patch that um, Angela just held up and the progesterone tablets and things like that. I'm on a combination version that can actually exacerbate cancer growth. And so you have to be very, very careful with the additional hormones that you put in your body. There are also a really amazing array of organic supplements that can help boost those hormones that you're losing. But of course, that's private and it's quite cost prohibitive for so many people. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought HRT was just like literally given to people, but clearly um, that's not true. Um, and, and, it's, and it's better because unfortunately it's only the last few years that they've gone back into the research there was research done in the 70s with women that unfortunately were already in there was 20 20 25 years ago were already in their 70s and therefore the high level of breast cancer that came from those people they were just assumed it was the HRT but it wasn't it was the wrong level of people that were giving it you need it in your 50s for it to make a difference and it's that that will help with your with your bones so that you don't get osteoporosis help protect your heart a lot, a lot of women that, that menopause will actually give them heart heart problems and therefore heart attacks so it's much much more likely um so the research was wrong and of course as soon as that came out no one would put any money into research on menopause because they knew it wasn't a winner no one's going to have hrt because of that so it was always put off so much and it's only in the last three, four years where they've gone back into the research, done it again with proper people that have realised, actually, no, that wasn't true. Mm. And we've had 20, 30 years of women going, no, I can't have that because that will give me cancer. Uh, one of the things that I just I wanted to say is HRT can't uh, improve one's confidence. I think confidence and self-esteem issues are actually one of the biggest impacts of menopause just because of the confusing changes everyone is going through uh, again you know you can feel like you're losing your mind because uh, you don't you become really confused and that's you know um, that's one thing that HRT can't help with. Very interesting folks we're, we're, we're gonna have to move on because I've realized the time we, we need to bring some of the guests on but I want to thank everyone for sharing their experiences here before I let you all go though uh, can you give us like some guidance that it, let's say you, you, you've got some experience through it now um, can you give us like one word of advice that you might give yourself if you could you know, leap back in time three years or whatever mm -hmm. prior to the onset of these these uh, uh, these symptoms what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now uh, Claire Bush let's go with you first um I think put yourself first put yourself first 
don't 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 keep giving put yourself first be selfish yep so you've got to recognize the situation physically and you can't put everyone else ahead of you deal with that first just main thing uh angela your thoughts on on this your own advice to yourself educate yourself i knew nothing whatsoever never had any conversations about it um the link people saying working it was my link and i've already got the course so i've put the new link <laughs> click it again uh and it should work for you all right brilliant um and kelly um and what would you say i just wanted to say that one of the biggest things for me was actually talking about it and communication you know that's the most important thing. Even if you don't know what's going on, talk about it. Yeah, really, really important. And this is hopefully what we're trying to do, folks. So um, so thank you all for joining us. Uh, Claire Bush, Angela, uh, Rena, and Angela, sorry, Angela, Rena, and, uh, and Kelly May. Um, we're going to stay with us. We're going to bring some other people on uh, to the show. Um, and folks, before we do that, we always do this in the middle of every conversation. Very important we do it because we do have to come off air um, in due course. If you think this is an interesting conversation and valuable to you, you want to continue it, of course, Brain Food Live should never be a bottleneck to stop that conversation. Make sure you go ahead and, con and connect uh, with other people having this great chat and then continue that conversation elsewhere off platform or in another webinar you want to do yourself or whatever it is uh, that you think is useful. So take a moment, share your LinkedIn into the chat stream on Crowdcast. If you're watching this on any of the link, uh, sort of LinkedIn's uh, live streams, share it in the comment thread there and then just connect with everyone who's done that. Um, and then avail yourself to this thing that Angela sent around, which is a free course um, uh, to help educate you on, uh, on menopause. Um, Adam, you've been quite on that, but I think if you're listening and, and you know, what are your thoughts having heard yeah. from Claire, Angela and uh, Kelly there? Well, I mean, that was a very rich source of learning for me. Um, I, I, I didn't know a lot of that and it was extremely useful to hear everybody's perspectives on that. One thing that I wanted to throw in as a um, useful source of learning which people might be surprised about, but it really, really is on subjects like this is TikTok. It is rammed with people talking about this and um, giving, you know, their real life stories and yeah. um, for actually everything that is health and well-being related. It's a great source of learning more and quickly. Yep. Um, oh, no, we've lost Breeder. Don't worry, Breeder. If you're still back, let us know. We'll, we'll drop you back into this chat. Definitely want to get you um, uh, on the show and have a conversation on it. Um, but, yeah, I think avail yourself to information. Um, I think the reason why TikTok is powerful because it is basically immediately accessible. There's someone talking about it right there. It's not a case where you have to swim through lots of internet uh, to figure out what's going on. So um, uh, do check it, check it out. And of course, just keep uh, you know speaking to people um, uh, in, in the community. Right, we're going to bring some more people on. Uh, people are very patient. Jenny Candy is here. Let me see, see if I can bring Jenny on. Um, I've even forgotten the, the order in which, uh, actually, I don't know how to bring Jennifer on. Uh, Jenny, if, you, if, if you're here, um, let me know, because uh, I actually, there's no Jennifer that I can identify. There is a, um, but, um, there is Marissa, a, I think user, Marissa on. I think user slash D-E-E-A is somebody to bring on. How on earth is that even a name? If that's you, Jennifer Candy, user, let me know um, and, and we'll, we'll do that. 
Uh, oh, someone's wanted to come on screen. Who's this? Can't even read this properly. Oh, it is user. I think it is. All right, we'll take a risk. Um, let's go on on here. Um, I think I need to bring on uh, as Marissa. Wonderful, uh, Marissa. Whilst so the people come yeah, up, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What did you do? Sure. My name is Marissa Estes, and I'm the talent acquisition manager with Thrive America, and I'm in menopause. Okay, wonderful to have you on the show. There's Jennifer Candy. You are user um, uh, DEA. How did that happen, Jennifer? I, I don't know because it says Jennifer Candy on my side, so not sure. But um, I hi, everybody. It, it must be. It must be because you were like uh, like a very early user of Crowdcast, I think. Um, uh, no, and, and you not. might have just <laughs> might created this song. Um, okay, Jennifer, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure. Uh, Jennifer Candy, and I'm the Global Director of TA Strategy and Performance at Cargill. Great. And great to have you both on to the show. I think the reason sort of why we want to talk about it is because uh, we've had commentary from people who maybe are working more on the consultancy side or whatnot, but you two are working as, as, as you know, leaders of TA departments and also have gone through or are going through this experience. Um, can you kind of like give us the perspective from both an individual going through it and also from the company perspective like do you feel that there was like a structure to help or have you been inspired to put something together to help what's the scenario uh, for you here let's go with you first uh, marissa uh well my first experience was uh just talking with a coworker. um I am fairly new to my organization and I partnered up immediately with the director of talent acquisition who had already gone through or currently is going through menopause. And we just started talking and sharing information. I know the previous guests were talking about um, the lack of information um, and that's what I found. I started to have to dig and dig and dig. And once I talked to her, I just started going down rabbit holes and getting answers and finding solutions. And she recommended HRT and that's been a game changer for me. It's a very common pattern, isn't it? People don't have the information until actually the, the situation is there and you have to go and I've just started thinking like people, let's say working in remote, that must be even, even harder because you might not have the relationships or you might not have the, the you know, the, 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 the trust factor with people that, uh, uh, that you've never seen before. So that, it, it, that it kind of exacerbates that problem. Um, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about your situation there. Um, well, let's see. I've been going through it for about seven years. Um, so it's been quite some time, but it's really spiked um, in the past, I'd say, three. Um, but I now know why <laughs> as of this past Monday. Um, so... And actually, I would say if, as a bit of advice, if people could get their bloods checked, so you do have to be your own advocate, right? So demand to get your bloods checked um, for all, all of your hormones um, and other things. Because when I did that, what I've caught is um, my thyroid hormone is um, really bad. So I've got, I've just been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder of your thyroid which oddly presents with almost every single symptom mirrors menopause. So I'm going, wow, I'm not crazy. I thought I'd had like the worst menopause of anybody in my whole life, right? 
Um, so it's been a double whammy. So it will be interesting to see, you know, once the meds start kicking in, I'm only on day three, so, you know, it's going to take a while. Um, and once I get to the right dosage, you know, what, what remains. <laughs> so they'll be able to see what truly has been menopause and what is actually, um, you know, the thyroid disorder. But having read more on that, um, it's not so uncommon for menopause um, and all of, because your hormones are already out of whack to throw the other ones out of whack as well. Um, so it is something for people to check. Um, yes, word to the wise, because I'll tell you, I've, my doctor said I should have been on the, on medicine for probably the past 10 to 15 years. That's, it seems it's crazy to me that this this that, that this is misdiagnoses or kind mm -hmm. of um, almost a dismissal of of you know a, a minimization of of symptoms and so on. I think Kelly was mentioning. I'm I'm kind of astonished by that because surely we we know enough by now um, that you know the, the this is this is a. a a non aberrant phenomena. It's not like it says, oh, there's a small percentage of people that go through menopause. No, it's like 50% of people guaranteed to go through this. So why is this, why is the medical profession just simply more aware, more kind of understanding of it? I, that, that is a puzzlement for me. I don't quite get it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that just leads us down a rabbit hole maybe. I don't know. Um, okay. Um, so, all of this is happening. Um, how do you continue kind of performing in your highly stressed jobs in, in this circumstance? It, it strikes me that that's also something. When I'm physically bad, I literally stop working. Uh, and I mean two drinks, right? So if I, I have two drinks last night. The next day, I ain't doing anything. As I literally, I feel sorry for myself and I'm eating kebabs. That's it. Um, so if you're going through a persistent sort of scenario where your feeling is all over the place, you're trusting your body's all over the place, how 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 can you continue to perform in, in your role? I mean, I, 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 did you develop techniques to do this, mm -hmm. um, or did did you you did? Tell us about that, Jennifer. Uh, lots. So brain fog is a big one for me. That really hasn't been mentioned yet, but um, if I remember your name, it's a good day. <laughs> Honestly. So um, for me, I mean, I constantly have OneNote open. I make sure that I'm typing things, words just to glance at in case I'm going to forget halfway through on what I'm saying. Um, you know, just simple notes. So even when I went into the doctor, I had all my symptoms written down so I didn't forget. <laughs> I had any of the supplements because I knew I'd walk in and forget. So you just develop a lot of these coping strategies. Um, but yeah, it's been, it has impacted my performance. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I have had, I think it's more inconsistencies. So I, I used to be somebody with lots of confidence and high energy, or at least portrayed myself as having high energy. Um, it's, you know, some days I just, you're not yourself. Um, so that has impacted me. I've got to be, um, just really organized now. Um, and some days, honestly, I, you know, working from home for me has saved me because, um, you know, working for an American company, I default to the late hours. Um, so some days I've had to go back to bed in the morning, right, and start at about 11. Um, yeah, so managing with the kids and it, <laughs> it's it's not easy, um, but women are kind of a um, different breed, right? Keep calm and carry on. So somehow we get through it. How about, how about your thoughts, Marissa? Uh, like, how did you deal with it, particularly when you know there wasn't a solution from a a, a, a palliative solution from the, in the medical services, etc. Like, you know, in that 
sort of period of time in between. Uh, what, what sort of techniques did you develop? I, I can echo everything Jennifer said, like the brain fog that had not been brought up before, but that is like, there's a notebook here because I'm constantly having to write things down, even for this call, <laughs> what I wanted to say, because I knew in the middle of my thought, I forget. Um, so that's been one thing that I've had to do. I tried to do it electronically and I think I have Google keep notes open and the paper and pencil in case there's a, I have a backup for my backup. Um, so that, that's been helpful, but like Jennifer said, I do feel like I'm not performing at my highest. Um, and it, I'm admitting that, but I'm trying, uh, everything I can to stay organized and stay, um, and keep performing the best of my ability. But working from home has also been helpful. Like she said, I have two children. Um, I am able to have flexible hours um, when I'm not feeling the best. I can log on later at night or earlier in the morning. Um, that has been very helpful. But I am going through this by myself remotely. Um, but I'm reaching out to my coworkers the best that I can to try to find that network of people to talk to who maybe have already gone through it and can offer some advice. Um, like I said previously, my the director that I spoke with, she's had um, a great impact on me as I've gone through this. I'm asking my mom and my mom doesn't remember, um, you know, what she experienced. It was way different for her. Um, so having someone that I work with who has gone through it and can offer tips and tricks on staying focused and staying in the game has been a godsend. Another thing for me, I had heart palpitations. No one has mentioned that. Went to a cardiologist. You're fine. I wore a monitor for 30 days. You're fine. Never was menopause mentioned. And then when I got on HRT, I haven't had a heart palpitation since. Mm. And I've only been on it for three months, but I'm telling you, those those were scary. And it is a symptom of menopause. So that that's that's happened to me on like Zoom calls with my boss and I'll stop and he'll say, what's the matter? Just my heart, you know, but since HRT, that has not happened. So that's been very helpful for me. Um, I wonder if your mom crazy. didn't remember. I wonder if your mom didn't remember because when she went through it, um, it, it wasn't really talked about very much and she was kind of just expected to get on with it. And yeah you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And when I mentioned to her that I was going to start HRT, she just said, you know, well, why, why would you do that? What's that about? I don't, that wasn't an option for me, you know, tell me more, uh, even though she's, you know, passed. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't talked about. You just had to grin and bear it and, and just fan yourself and move on. And that, yeah, it just wasn't a thing, unfortunately. A quick one in terms of, because I want to shift the conversation now to what employers could do or what companies can do uh, to, to better support. Um, I think both of you kind of uh, had this experience. It sounds like there wasn't a huge amount of, of structural sort of things in place in, in that organization. Um, if you could rework it and you could say, right, um, you know, we need to think about this and, and let's, let's, let's create a system uh, that would be more supportive to people going through these life changes. What would that look like in, in your opinion? I'd, I'd start a group. Um, we have 
We have groups for all different types um, of, of people to join, whether you're a, a women's organization or a, a group for uh, Pacific Americans. I mean, we've got all kinds of groups in our organization. There's no menopause group. So I would start a group where perimenopausal and menopausal women can get together and talk about what they're experiencing and then bring suggestions to the company or the organization um, on how they can best support those those women. Yeah, so firstly, some sort of uh, resource group internally that may exist outside of the structure of the business, but it's there, it's available. There's other people that have either gone through it with experience or whatnot, uh, just to provide that sense of, look, if you don't know what's going on, just go here first, and that's your first step. Easy to do, everyone, isn't it, folks? I don't see why that shouldn't happen. Um, get cracking with that. Um, Jennifer, your thoughts on, on, on what might be done outside of maybe the group? Is there anything else yeah. that you'd suggest? Yeah, that was definitely going to be one of mine as well. Um, what I'd also say is something around, um, you know, manager training. Um, I think we've mentioned a bit on that, but also, you know, how do you address the performance? So coming at it rather than, um, I guess, punitively, how do you support somebody? So, you know, catching where they're inconsistent and providing um, levers of support during that time. So not to say, oh, you know, you don't need to perform anymore. That doesn't work. Um, but but I don't know what that looks like, but I think we need to be talking about that. Um, definitely important. Um, we are launching, I was just told this yesterday, actually, um, uh, support with um, a program partnership with Adora, which I had not heard of, um, but it will have app uh, with chatbot functionality with um, NHS doctors and nurses, they can prescribe HRT on the fly for you. Um, so a bunch of different resources that will be coming, but I think a program like that is just the basics. Um, in addition, um, I think we need to look at the benefits to support it. You know, our BUPA for, at least for us, doesn't, you can't claim and go private for menopause, which to me is absolutely ludicrous. But when I did ask around that, apparently the cost was so prohibitive, it was about 2000 per employee. So, I mean, how can we make that more accessible as well to say, oh, menopause and a lot of times pregnancy, right? The two things that hit women, menopause and pregnancy, not covered typically by our medical. So to me, we've, there's a problem with that. Yeah, um, and it, it, it strikes me that probably people have never thought about this as a, a thing that an, a, a company should provide some structure to. And, and, and if, Adam, I mean, again, we don't want to bring in sort of different conversations, but it, it, I, I've also had some conversations where people have said it's not the company's responsibility. Um, oh, and, and the company that wants you to perform well. <laughs> Right? I am difference on your performance. So to me, things that you know we're willing to spend tons of money on um, learning and development, right, to improve performance. Well, my gosh, if you're going through something that could improve your performance, you know, is the two grand worth it? And not not only that, Jenny, but it's it's also like retention as well. You can imagine there's a lot of women that actually do decide. Yeah. Okay, listen, um, what what did Claire say? She needs to put herself first. That might mean if there's no support you leave the job um and then do you you know that intermittency then can make it very difficult for you to go back at the same level if at all so i think there's a huge amount of labor lost um simply because we haven't provided that support so i think the argument is pretty strong but there is commentary still from the outside to say look 
personal problem, deal with it. You know, it's not that 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 um, line of argument does exist in this conversation. Adam, I think you want to say something, man. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, the 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 person who the the person Hung's talking about, somebody somebody said to me they queried the topic of this this particular brain food subject, and the reason for it was because they thought that the subject really was what are the accommodations we need to make for menopause within a recruitment process for potential candidates? And the question was, well, like, what other, I mean, how far do you go with this? Do you go with it like um, endometriosis and like all sorts of other things you could go? And, and that person who was, a, who was a female, her, her, her point was, we, we, need, we need personalized experiences through a recruitment process. And, um, you know, rather than we don't, we don't need... She, she said, we don't need a menopause policy. What we need is um, like some common, common sense, practical accommodations for people, regardless of their health and well-being um, requirements. But we haven't really been talking about like what, you know, um, uh, accommodations in, in talent acquisition. Yeah, um, I, mean, I do remember that conversation as well. And by the way, we're not flaming anybody here. I think everyone, we need to actually be very uh, welcoming to all sorts of opinions. Otherwise, we can't actually surface this out. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think the, the, the opinion there was, look, um, what what does accommodation look like practically speaking from a from an organization perspective and how does it actually look like particularly as you mentioned on performance let's say like what are you meant to do with that um are, are we meant to handicap like do you handicap people that aren't going through menopause for instance that equalize it um i don't know it, it seems to me we need to put effort and thought into it um but it's not obvious sort of what the uh, the policy is folks we're running massively out of time Jennifer, i think you do want to say something so go ahead no no not really um i think i've said it all in the chat as well but yeah i think you hit the nail on the head at any rate with the people either women leaving the workforce or um tailoring back on leadership roles taking less stressful jobs and if we're trying to promote women into leadership it's um kind of counterproductive so um it's a it is a massive massive issue yeah we nailed that we, we talk about diversity at C-level, executive level, etc. Yet I've never actually heard menopause mentioned as a factor uh, or lack of menopause support, should I say, as, as a factor for that lack of diversity at leadership. But it seems to me pretty clearly that those things might in fact be contributing uh, to each other. So, um, okay, folks, we have to bring on some more guests. Uh, Jennifer and Marissa, thanks for joining us. Um, and thank you very much for sharing your experiences, by the way. I think this is helping people. So um, I, I do thank you very much for uh, uh, for doing that. Um, uh, Adam, I, I hope you're staying with us or you need to go. Uh, if you need to go, you need to go. But I'm you know, staying. I need to learn. Yeah, I think so. This is important. Um, let's uh, let's bring on Sally and Lou. I want to bring you on as well. Thank you for being very patient. Uh, the reason why I organise it this way, by the way, is that uh, the, the next couple of guests I want to bring on have actually implemented policies. Um, so uh, you know, we're talking about okay, what do we do about it? Well, it, it seems that some companies or some employers, some individuals have actually got some uh, sort of uh, experience. Um, so uh, so let's. Uh, uh, Breeders here. I'm gonna invite her anyway in case she's back off her call. Uh, but let's say let's say hello to Sally. Sally, hello. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What did you do? Sure. I presume you can hear me. Yeah. Uh, so my name's Sally Hyam. I sit over here in um, Basel, Switzerland. 
and I, oh, there's two of me. That's not very pleasant. Um, I head up talent attraction for, for Lomza on a global level. But I think like a lot of us, we I went through a personal, clearly I'm in the perimenopause, probably took it to a whole nother level because I went on a course through the KCA, which then got me learning, absorbing, understanding, and then thinking, how can we actually bring this into the workplace as well? Fantastic. and and. Um... I, I'm going to try and remove one of those Sally's, uh, but uh, I, I wonder. I, I wonder. Should I just try and get rid of one of them? Uh, let's, it should be all right. The other one should stay. Oh God, no! Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't. This is exactly what I didn't want to have happen, uh, and I actually did it. Um, so let's reinvite Sally. And um, whilst we're doing that, happen. we've got we've got Lou here. Uh, Lou, welcome to the show. Thanks for being patient with us. Um, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What did you do? Yeah, so um, I actually work for Specsavers in our events department, but I head up and co-chair with a colleague of mine, our menopause colleague network, which is called Menotalk, been in existence now for about three and a half years. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Fantastic. And, and Lou, you contributed to one of the early conversations we had on LinkedIn on this, and, and you described actually that there, there are companies that have rolled out implemented policies and what have you. So can you tell us a little bit about so, uh, the, the, the context of this? Like, how did it happen? How did it emerge? And what's the content of the policy? So it happened pretty much the same as it probably does anywhere, which is two women one day sat down and said, oh, my God, my menopause is horrific. Have you experienced it? And those two women were myself and Caroline. And as part of that conversation, we both kind of went, you know what, we employed 2000 people in our support office alone in the UK. We can't be the only women that are having issues here. Um, and one of my challenges, the biggest challenge I faced, apart from understanding myself what was wrong with me, was actually having to educate my own line manager, who was male, uh, early 50s, um, younger wife, so probably gives a bit of context about why he, he hadn't really experienced anything menopause related. And just the awkwardness, the embarrassment, the difficulty in sort of having to educate my own manager about what I was experiencing, because quite frankly, I was underperforming to all intents and purposes from what he was seeing compared to my usual standard. Um, so I was dealing with all the emotions and the confusion around what I was going through physically and, and, and also, you know, psychological changes as well. And also had to have this, this additional responsibility of awkwardly explaining to him what I was going through and why I just simply wasn't myself anymore. Um, and we just kind of both said, hang on a minute, nobody else should go through this. Nobody should feel so, so awkward and uncomfortable. So... Let, let's help. And Caroline works in our L&D department. So she was perfectly placed to help pull some training together. We work with a company called Hempick, who have recently accredited as menopause in the workplace accredited. Um, and three and a half year, years later, we've got menopause policies in place, menstruation policies in place. We've introduced women's sanitary products in some of our um, support office toilets. So women don't have that awkward moment of needing to access something as in an emergency. We've held panel sessions with some of our very senior leaders, female and male. Um, and we've just opened the conversation. We've been very, very honest. We've just talked about it. And there's a portion of people that still feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I would say for the most part now, our business is actually quite comfortable with the word menopause and what it means. And that's really what we set out to do from the very beginning. 
really, really is, good. Go ahead, Adam. You know, the, less like it's it's so it's so good that subjects are no longer taboo, or they're certainly becoming less taboo. There's mm-hmm. there's, very, there's not that many taboo subjects anymore. Um, but it's really great that companies like yours are doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's and they've uh, been, think, you know, struggled. There have been times where it, it has been, it's been a big education for a lot of people. But we started with the feeling that the best thing we could do was just be really honest and open and just keep on facing into it and just keep going. And um, we've got over nearly 400 members to our group now. Uh, we hold regular, you know, sessions and updates and regularly update our, our training and we've we've got really good engagement. We've got other networks that exist within our business as well. We work with them very closely. We've got an ethnic minority network that we're working with now because women of different cultures go through different experiences of menopause. Um, typically, black women tend to go through menopause a little bit later than white women do, things like that. Uh, we've got um, a network that supports LGBTQ+. We've got some transgender women in our business that we've also supported it's it's a very broad topic and I think that's the first thing that really hit me when I when I had to educate my line manager it's uh, to, to filter it into one small thing to explain to him what I was going through was incredibly stressful and, and hard no um very uh, thank you for telling us that story uh, and again it's a small starts what wasn't it um lou it was like just you getting together with one of a one of a person in business and then you, you look at what what's happened down the line looks like it's policy changes significant uh a cultural change i would say that they're not seeing your uh uh in your chat that you know there's significant numbers of people who are actually part of the group including men which is great to see um so um so yeah this this is how cultural change happens small starts folks you don't have to you know try and swallow the ocean one big gulp so uh, uh even starting a group and making sure people are aware of that then it, that that may be a good start for 10. um sally go to you on this um from your training on 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 uh and self-education um what sort of things do you think an employer can do like practically do to start you know doing this cultural change and uh and getting to a place uh where you know we are being truly inclusive you know we, we can't, can't just deny or ignore um uh, this biological phenomena it's like very normal predictable phenomena so why aren't we like uh, uh, shaping our, our our businesses to accommodate for this um how would you recommend companies that get started no, and I think I think the culture piece, I think, is an interesting one as well, because for global organisations, I think you also have to appreciate in some cultures, you don't talk about periods. Women don't like talking about things like that. So, or actually, I forget the, the but some languages don't actually have a word for menopause in certain languages. So I think depending on where you are as a company footprint-wise, I think, you know, just sort of try and understand understand some of that so for me so just to share on a personal thing my journey was Singapore and Switzerland so I think there's a lot on here from the UK and hearing bits about the NHS and HRT for me mine's been a I suppose an international um, kind of experience from that point of view but what what can employers do I think there's a, there's a couple of things I think to, which is great hearing all of these you know is it a policy is it training is it that I think something else to perhaps add um, 
it's a natural, it's not a, an illness. This is a natural life event. So I think something that organisations need to think about is absenteeism. So if someone is taking a day for the menopause, what is this noted as? Are they then off sick? Well, this isn't something that you're sick. It's like we said, it's 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 not an illness. So I think organisations perhaps need to look at, perhaps, and that's perhaps a starting point, looking at absenteeism for particular demographic groups in particular geographies to perhaps understand the demographic makeup of their workplace, I think is one thing. Talking about it and hearing ERGs and things is, is great, definitely. And that's something that I've started um, within my organisation. But I think that then goes hand in hand. I think Jennifer was talking about it, you know, training. People need to then be comfortable having conversations, either male, female, from a manager, um, uh, team member point of view. Like I think Louise said, some don't, you know don't want to talk about it. So I think you've you sort of got a double-edged sword in the sense of employers want to start supporting and helping. And is it workplace adjustments, which is something that I saw in the chat? What does that become? Which is a bit like neurodiverse. What workplace adjustments, or do you have employee passport that you take for you know if your manager changes, you know if you're neurodiverse, you need an adjustment. If you're menopausal, you might want to work at home. So. There's, there's all sorts of things, employers, which can sound quite daunting, um, you know, but for me, I, you know, starting is something. Um, you know, for us, I sit on, um, we've got a gender diversity council for a lot of them, you know, the, the UN goals, so gender diversity. I shared on that, menopause in the workplace, my personal journey, what I'd learned through the course, what is it? How do we start talking about this? I held a virtual menopause cafe on International Women's Day. I never knew this day existed. Um, but again, when you're on this train, you then find all of this great stuff out. Um, on that, I held a mentee. What do we want? What do we want as an organisation? How can we support? I think ERG is fabulous. You know, you can create a team, you can put resources in there. Training, you know, do you have menopause ambassadors, menopause warriors, whatever you want to call them? Opening up safe spaces. I personally would say perhaps men only um, sessions as well. I mean, there is actually the men menopause, andropause, you know, so there is our hormones go off a cliff, men's go off slower and later, you know. But again, I think it directly affects us, but indirectly will affect males, you know, their, their partner might be having a hot sweat so therefore the male is not sleeping and therefore not functioning so indirectly it will affect potentially everybody mm -hmm. so there's, there's lots that I think people could think about do support talk share <laughs> you know whatever that might be so um I think it's starting the journey but does this then sit in well-being is it HR because you know do you just think I just want to talk about the menopause. This perhaps should be a midlife or just a well-being. We talk about mental health. You know, we've talked about, uh, you know, the different sort of symptoms. You know, I've, I kept the brain fog. I've got the heart palpitations. I've also got osteopenia. It was a, a bone density scan that highlighted my sort of start um, for me understanding what this <laughs> 
roller um, coast that's sort of coming your way, what it actually means. So hopefully that wasn't too long winded, but hopefully that sort of gave a bit of information that can sort of, you know, share where you start. No, Sally, not long at all. It, I, in fact, I thought it was, it actually underlines what needs to happen um, because mm. I, I think everyone can simply, the, the one like very positive thing I'm taking from all of this conversation is it, it seems that the most obvious thing that we can do, almost anyone can do, uh, which is to elevate the conversation so it becomes yeah. much more public uh, and it's not closed doors so people can't feel as if they can't speak to it um, and self-educate reach out to things um, uh, th that's out there, even if you're affected or not. This is men, women, whoever it is. Go on these courses and get get the understanding. Um, and thirdly, create some sort of public space within the business or within the organization where this is the focus. Um, and that is the place where people who haven't self-taught or you know they haven't gone off on, on their own initiative in any way, they can see a support very clearly being there um, and that's available if they uh, uh, should should need it. And, and it seems that that can kind of percolate across an, in, uh, 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 across an organization so that change happens uh, you know, down the track. So rather than expecting you know, some top level strategy, um, it can happen from gra grassroots, I guess. I think, I think that as well, oh, Sorry, Sally, go on. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think you'd mentioned something, and Adam, you mentioned it about the, you know, the retirement age. You know, women are living, everybody's living longer. I think it's something like one in four um, in the UK will live till they're 100. So if you think of females, you know, we potentially are going to have half of our life hormonal. We're going to be living longer. We're going to be working longer. So, you know, when we, I heard you talking about sort of how, you can, you know, there's loads of facts out there, you know, that I think I put something in there about, you know, um, women are leaving because they've lost their confidence. So you are losing such, you know, the, 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 the knowledge, but also when they're taking off these days because they don't know what to say, they're embarrassed to say something. How is it documented? The, the, the numbers of hours that are then lost through productivity, I think, you know, you can bring stats and figures to employers if you feel you need to justify or help support your mission as to why support needs to be, you know, there or at least talked about. But we are living longer. <laughs> this is this is not going away. So, you know, we're in an aging population, the generations, etc. So, yeah. Very important point, I think next year this in the next couple of years it's going to be the first time where there's going to be like i think five generations of workers together in in a, in a single business you know what? Um, 2014, seven hung in 2040 there will be seven generations in the workplace crazy. Yeah. yeah and and we we've optimized yeah. for this type of person here but in fact we need to really have work that's suitable yeah. for all age groups and all life stages Otherwise, you're going to have yep. this constant talent problem because you're just trying mm -hmm. to squeeze everyone into this optimal when, in fact, we need to expand the, 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 the types of people that are able to work in our business and thrive in our business. And that means modulating the work. It means the work's got to change. Uh, you've got to have age-appropriate work. If I'm 85 years old, I may still be able to do some work positively for the okay. organization, but I'll be a 
different type of work to when I'm 25. Um, yeah. So that is seems to me very obvious. But we don't mod- we don't change the job. The job is not like sensitive to the age on the life stage of the person we just think yeah it's a job so there's lots of things we can do um folks we are well over time so we have to kind of put it to an end here uh, although it isn't an end with loads of things we haven't talked about uh, we haven't talked about the early early onset menopause we haven't talked about hysterectomies which i think can trigger um sort of but this is a medical intervention we can kind of create a situation where obviously hormones drop as well we haven't talked about emily thank you you've mentioned it we should probably do that as a show next year and we haven't talked about what, what men should do because i think a lot of us are here uh, looking at this and, and learning and i'm very encouraged to, to see a lot of men, men in the commentary uh, as well but i think there's an element where we feel we, we kind of want to learn which is right we shouldn't be taking the lead on this but at the same time like what is the most positive thing we can do it's like not clear uh, and i think sometimes when there's that ambiguity we're, we kind of just like scoot across it so maybe that's another conversation that we need to have uh, another time but we have to leave it here everyone's got weekends to get on with um, so thank you very much sally for joining us lou wonderful to see your uh, example thank you for joining us as well um, and, and Breda, sorry we weren't able to bring you on. I've probably forgotten other people as well. Uh, that's just the Hong Lee's brain fog, got nothing to do with menopause. Uh, it's just my brain simply doesn't work um, as, as it should. Um, anyway, folks, we're out. Um, we're going to be starting uh, next week into a four-part series, which is look back on the year. Uh, we're going to review 2023 on different topics. We're going to squeeze in 12 topics in four episodes. Uh, and next week, we're going to be talking about AI, DE&I, and work tech investment. Um, so what has happened in these three domains over the last 12 months? We're going to timeline it, review it, get experts in to talk about it. Make sure you sign up for that episode. Follow the channel if you enjoy this kind of conversation. We're nearly towards the end of the year, folks. Thanks for being with us. Hope you've enjoyed this amazing show. I've absolutely learned a ton. Um, have a good weekend, everyone. See you next time. Ugh, cool. Um, that was that was an in, intensive learning uh, crash yep. course in what it's all about. I don't, I don't, what, I don't. what didn't I know? There was there was a revelation I didn't know. I didn't know HRT was not like default. Um, for some reason, I thought that was yeah, get on HRT, but it seems that it's hard to get, and it's not it's not also uh, like uh, like there's no medical consensus. It seems like there's there's a there's a sense that it might actually be harmful. So. Yeah, I didn't know that actually. Um, so I need to, I need to know more of this. I didn't know any of it really. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, yeah, I do, we I have do, resources. I, I posted in the, I posted in the chat. I, I look back, I look back at my relationship with my mom with a lot of regret. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, my mom would have been going through this, and I was not empathetic in any way because I didn't know anything about it. I was just a twat. So, you know, I was just a completely selfish teenager. Adam, you and I, similar age, I think the same. I'm, I'm spooling back now as to the worst period I had with my mum. I've got a great relationship with her now. Worst re- period. I was the wrong age. She was at the wrong time. You know, it's like you're 13, 14, whatever age it is. And she's gone through this after, in the middle of divorce as well. You know what I mean? Awful. I can, Awful. I, I mean, one thing is I can, I, I know for a fact, and this is great, is that when that, you know, when, when that is something in my house, um, I know that my kids will understand it because we'll talk about it and it'll be, you know, because um, there's, there's things, there's health related things that we have talked about, you know, yep. um, really openly. And so it's just like tab, taboo subjects that have to be important. They, 
you know they can't be in the in the dark anymore. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. We've hyped this off. Uh, it should be in the education system. All biological changes should be in there. Um, uh, we it's just like we know the information. So why are we blocking people off from it? It's crazy. Yeah. Be, be kind um, to your mum. It's her first time on this earth too. Uh, unfortunately, um, I didn't really think about that much until she was uh, until she was gone. To be honest, so we've got to deal with that shit. Yep, indeed, mate. Anyway, All right, listen. Kind of, the time, kind of the time again, but what you can do is learn for the future. Exactly. Look forward, man. That's it. Right, cool. What are you doing this weekend, mate? Anything interesting? Uh, Glasgow Warriors tomorrow night um, against Ulster. Um, I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be babysitting my kids tomorrow afternoon because my wife's going to some lunch. Um, and other than that, just try and do a bit of exercise and try and do a bit of uh, building a company. You? Good stuff. Yeah, I'm going to just chill out. I've got loads to do. I'm well behind and I'm all over the place. Um, so I'm going to use this weekend to really get my ducks in order, basically. So, so yeah, all good. All right, listen, I'll let you go. Thanks for hanging around. Adam. Um, I'll, uh, I'll see you next week, okay? Yeah, bye.